You're listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. Good morning. It's great to be with you guys again. I'm not used to handheld mics, so if I just like juggle this around, don't, don't get too nervous. It's great to be with you guys. As Pastor Nick said, my name is Benjamin. Um, we've been here a number of times over the years. Um, I have, I'm originally from Indianapolis, but have been now living and serving in Ukraine for over 17 years. Um, my wife, Lena, has been there her whole life because she's Ukrainian. She's with me here this morning. Uh, our kids, Abby and Isaac, are 12 and 10, respectively. They were born over there. We're in a small town called Svitlovotsk. Any Russian speakers here this morning? No? Well, other than my family. Uh, so, uh, it's a little tricky to say, but I'm going to give you uh, a trick to do this, okay? So, you know, these little pink packets that give you cancer, sweet and low, right? Some of you have heard this before. Throw the N out, you don't need it. So you've got sweet, low. Let's do this. Sweet, low. Okay, very good. And then think Volks like a Volkswagen, all right? So it's sweet, low, Volks. Congratulations, you speak Russian. So that's the city that we're in. It's a small town, about 50,000 people. Uh, we planted the church there. Actually, just last month, uh, our church celebrated its 14-year anniversary. And then other than that, I've also, within the last couple of years, stepped into a role as the coordinator for ministry called City to City, which trains church planters, uh, urban church planters, to, to reach the cities of Ukraine. And I'll share a little bit more about that uh, towards the end, but first, um, I do want to share from the Word this morning. Our church has a vision statement, uh, and it's four simple phrases, which is, enjoy Jesus, stand fast in grace, live in love, and reach the world. And it's that last uh, point of our, our church's vision that I'd like to share with you this morning. Reach the world. Or in other words, mission. Right? Um, I want to look at a few questions concerning mission this morning. First of all, why should we care about mission? Secondly, who is called to mission? Uh, and thirdly, how can we be involved in mission? All right? Why care about mission? Who is called to mission? And how can we be involved in mission? First of all, why care about mission? Now, uh, while probably most of you who are Christians here this morning uh, already see mission as something that's part of your worship to God, something that should be an important part of the Christian life, uh, for those of you who maybe aren't Christians yet this morning, you're just kind of still checking things out, um, this is a part of Christianity that sometimes can be a stumbling block. Uh, some people would say that you, can be, you should be free to believe whatever you want, believe whatever God you want. Um, but you should never attempt to convince anybody else, right? You should kind of keep it to yourself, not go preaching at people. Somehow that's wrong. Um, I can't deal with that argument really in depth right now, but briefly I, want, I do want to mention a couple ideas for you to, to consider. First of all, the first idea is everyone preaches what they're passionate about. Everyone, Right? Whether that's a particular vision for society, whether that's a political stance, or your favorite sports team, right? You always preach whatever you love, whatever you're passionate about. Uh, the problem is when people begin to preach whatever they're passionate about in unloving ways, right? Whether that's ridiculing people who, who don't share their convictions, uh, whether that's, again, political persuasions or even other sports teams or whatever it might be. Uh, well, okay, you can ridicule other sports teams a little bit. Um, and, and sadly, sometimes Christians do preach in a way that is, that is contradictory to the heart of Christ. It's not loving, uh, it's not gracious, um, and there is no excuse for that. 
But preaching itself is something that every single person on the planet naturally does, okay? You're always going to share whatever you live for, whatever you love, whatever you're passionate about. Uh, in fact, when you say to somebody, if somebody says to you, right, you shouldn't try to convert people to your religion, you know what they're doing at that moment? They're preaching, right? They're preaching their vision of how faith should relate to public life. So it's a little bit hypocritical to say that. You shouldn't preach, right? I'm, I'm pointing at you and preaching at you while I'm doing that. Uh, secondly, really briefly, um, when Christians share the message of Jesus with others, at least in most cases, it's something that they're doing out of concern and out of love for the person that they're speaking to. Uh, even honest atheists will acknowledge this from time to time. Recently, there was some public backlash against an Australian rugby player. Um, and he had posted something on his Instagram. Uh, the words read, Those that are living in sin will end up in hell unless you repent. Jesus Christ loves you and is giving you time to turn away from your sin and come to him. Now, that's not a super popular thing to post in our day, right, in Western society. And you can argue about how effective or how tactful this rugby player was in posting those exact words. But a well-known atheist philosopher, uh, Peter Singer, he wrote an article actually defending this rugby player. Uh, and what he said is, try putting yourself in the position of somebody with this man's belief, right, this Christian rugby player. Singer, this atheist, writes, you see people on a path towards a horrible fate, much worse than getting lung cancer, because death will not release them from their agony, and they are blind to what awaits them. Wouldn't you want to warn them and give them the chance to avoid that awful fate? So even though this atheist philosopher doesn't agree and he doesn't believe in what this rugby player is saying, nevertheless, he can recognize that the motive behind it is love and concern for others. Um, another well-known atheist, Penn Gillett, put it more briefly this way, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Right? So you might not agree, you might not even like the message that Christians are sharing um, about salvation and about needing to repent from sin, but at least realize that in the overwhelming majority of cases, the reason they're sharing it is not out of hatred, it's not because they hate you. Instead, it's because they love you, because they're concerned. So, that's just briefly to deal with maybe some of the, the difficulties of the idea of preaching the gospel, going on mission. For those of you who are Christians today, again, I'm going to assume that most of you understand that mission is important. Uh, some of the most well-known verses probably in the Bible give us a mandate to mission, and that is from Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter of Matthew. We'll go ahead and read those verses. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This is after Jesus has died and, and, and resurrected, and he's speaking to his disciples, and he says, verse 18, Matthew 28, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, this is what's known as the Great Commission, right? The mandate to mission. Um, we're most familiar probably with the version that's here in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, there's actually a call to mission at the end of every one of the four Gospels. In John chapter 20, it's a little more succinct. Jesus simply says to his disciples, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Right? The word send in Latin is missiere, from which we get the English word mission. 
So Jesus is saying, as I have been sent on mission by the Father, now I'm sending you on mission. So scripture clearly states that disciples of Jesus, Christians, are called to be on mission. The question is, why? Why does God call us to mission? And unless we understand the reason why he calls us, then the Great Commission is not going to seem very great to us. Uh, Let's look quickly, first of all, at a couple maybe commonly found but false motives uh, for mission, for why Christians try to get involved in mission. And unfortunately, these motives poison our understanding of, of what mission is really all about. One common misunderstanding among Christians is that when we think about uh, reaching other people with the gospel, going on mission, uh, God calls us to that because, man, there's so many people that don't know the gospel, and God needs our help to reach them, right? Because God needs help, right? This, this is laughable, okay? Christ didn't need our help in accomplishing redemption on the cross, He didn't need our help rising from the dead on the third day. He certainly doesn't need our help now to tell people about this, right? Um, And if our understanding of mission is built on this idea that, well, God needs my help to save people, to reach people, the result is that we insult God and we greatly overestimate our own importance. If we believe that God needs our help to reach people, will probably also present a skewed gospel where God needs our help to save us, right? That, well, yes, maybe he kind of forgives us in the beginning, gives us a push start, but ultimately it depends on us. But that's not the gospel. That's not good news. That's actually really bad news if it depends on you. Another common misunderstanding uh, as far as a motive for mission goes when Christians try to to go out and and share the message about Jesus, is they do it sometimes in order to earn God's favor, right? We think that, well, if we share the gospel enough, God's going to be super happy with us, and if we don't, then he's kind of not, right? We think that we're kind of earning God's favor through doing this. But anybody who has that understanding of preaching the gospel, the problem is that they can't preach the gospel. Why? Because, again, that's not the gospel. The gospel is not, I have to earn God's favor. The gospel is, Jesus Christ came and did everything to give me his favor as a gift. It's not anything that can be earned with any of our works, whether that's sharing the message of Christ or anything else. So it's not because God needs our help, and it's not in order to earn God's favor, then why should we be concerned with mission? Why does God call us to mission? Uh, There was a missionary in South Africa in the 20th century, David Bosch. He's with the Lord now. He puts it this way, and I think he hits it right on the head. He says, God's people are a missionary people because God is a missionary God. God's people are a missionary people because God is a missionary God. Mission is not just something that God leaves us to kind of keep us busy and out of trouble until we die and go to heaven. Instead, mission is at the very center of God's own heart. It's who he is. It's what he's about. We could say that mission is the form that God's love takes in response to lost humanity. Right? Because if you love somebody 
and they're in danger, you don't just sit idly by on the couch and kind of like, well, I hope things turn out. No, you get up, you go, you, you try to help, you try to rescue them in some fashion. So when we say that God is love and the Bible says that God is love, it's really the same thing as saying that God is a God on mission. The gospel is the story of God on mission, or in Latin, missio dei is a term that theologians use. Jesus is the ultimate missionary, right? Because of his great love for lost and dying humanity, he left the glories of his home, of heaven. He came to this world filled with people who didn't know him, most of whom rejected him. He took on all of the cultural forms of the place where he went, came in the likeness of men, Scripture says, and he poured out his life to rescue us, his beloved. So, why should we care about mission? The answer is, if we care about God's heart at all, we must care about mission. Because God is a God of mission. If we have seen the beauty of God's mission for us, the beauty of the gospel, that is, in coming to save us through his incarnation, through his death and resurrection... It's impossible to stay apathetic towards his mission in the world that continues today. If we've really received the gospel of grace, it's impossible for our hearts to remain indifferent to God's mission. And on the flip side, that's actually a good test. Because if, in honesty, we would say, you know, I find that my heart is kind of indifferent to God's mission, that's probably a sign that we've forgotten the gospel, that we've walked away, that we've uh, at least grown very dull towards what God has done for us. Apathy towards God's mission is a warning sign that our hearts have moved away from God's heart, and we need to repent. God's call for us to join him in mission, then, is first and foremost a call to draw near his heart. The picture that we need to have of God's call to join him on mission is that of a father with his little kids. Uh, when my kids were little, you know, toddlers, and I had to fix something around the house, they, were, they loved to just, you know, come up and be like, oh, I want to help, you know, what are you doing, Dad? Uh, now they just love gadgets, as probably many of yours do as well. Um, but, you know, so parents of toddlers enjoy that while you have it. Um, but when they helped... Here's the question. Did I need their help to fix that electric socket? Probably not, right? Maybe I needed somebody's help, but not my toddler's help, okay? Um, you know, usually it often took longer because I'd have to make sure that they didn't lose a screw or they didn't cut their finger off or didn't shove something in the socket. Did I love them more because they were helping me? Of course not. I love them because they're my kids, so why did I want them there? Why did I, I invite them to do this together with me? Just to be together. Just to enjoy that time together. To, to bring them in to a little bit of my world and grow closer. Understand this. God has been on mission for a long time now. All right? Before any of us was ever born. And he'll continue to be on mission after we die and go home to be with him. Thankfully, the success of his mission does not depend on us. In fact, probably it's much the same as that illustration that maybe it takes longer because of our clumsy attempts, right, at, at doing something for the Lord. 
Again, he doesn't need our help in that sense. But why does he invite us to be part of his mission then? Same reason. So that we as his beloved children can grow closer to his heart. So that we can get to know him more, first and foremost. So that we can enjoy being together with him in his work, his mission. So the right biblical motive for our involvement in mission then is not out of fear or pride or just hollow obligation. Not because of some puffed up sense of our own importance and worth. Not because God needs our help. Instead, the biblical motive for our involvement in God's mission is first and foremost a desire to grow closer to our Father's heart, to enjoy being with him in his work. Now, let's move on and look at the next question. Who is called to mission? Right? That's why we should be concerned with mission. Who is called to mission? I hope by now that you've realized that the answer to this question is you. You are called to mission. Right? If you're a Christian... If you're a disciple of Christ, every Christian is called to mission. Why? Because every Christian is called to draw near the heart of God. Okay, so that means that mission is not something optional for Christians. It's not something that only certain Christians are called to. Mission is something that is central and essential to what it means to be a Christian. A Christian who ignores mission, in the end, is actually a Christian who ignores Christ. Because Christ is on mission. And if we want to follow him, we have to follow him where he's going. Where is he going? On mission. Think about it this way. Christian growth is the process of becoming more and more like Christ. More and more like Jesus. Conformed to his image. And if God is a missionary God, as we said, then becoming more like him means becoming more passionate about his mission. There can be no true Christian growth as long as we remain apathetic to God's mission. None. Now, you may have noticed up to this point that I've been using the word mission in the singular rather than missions, plural. Uh, sometimes there's a debate in Christian circles whether we should emphasize missions, plural, meaning long-term cross-cultural mission work, right? Or whether we should emphasize mission, singular, being on mission, being missional in our own communities, in our own places of work. That's a false dichotomy. You don't have to pick. In fact, you can't pick. Local mission and global mission are two sides of the same gospel coin, now, having said that, I do believe that we need to emphasize the call, not just to mission in general, but to God's global mission. Why? It's not just because I'm a cross-cultural missionary and I want you to pay attention. All right? First of all, Jesus emphasized it. We read it in Matthew. He doesn't just say, go make disciples. He says, go make disciples of all nations. People groups is the word there. Uh, in Mark, it says, go, he says to his disciples, go and preach the gospel to all the world. All right? There's a global emphasis in this call. But there's also a very practical reason. You probably all know the saying, out of sight, out of mind, right? The practical reason is that this is part of human nature, that we tend to think on what's right in front of us. It's natural, and we forget about things that are kind of far away. 
So the local context, the local mission, we see that. It's in front of our eyes every day. Hopefully we see it. If we don't see that, there's another problem. But the rest of the world, well, it's out there. It's not in front of our eyes. It's quite far away. And that's exactly why we need to consciously direct our attention to the global nature of God's mission. So, every Christian is called to God's mission, to God's global mission. The next logical question is, how can we be involved in that mission? Again, uh, that's not to say that we shouldn't or can't focus on the local sense. We should. Every one of us is called to be a missionary to those around us in our places of work, in our families, right? It means that we should try to reflect Jesus and the gospel in every area of our lives. We're to contextualize the gospel. In other words, to make it understandable and approachable for those who don't know Christ yet. But each of us is also called to involvement in God's global mission to the nations. What does that mean? What does that look like? I want to give you two big ways to be involved in God's global mission. And guess what? There's only two. So it's not a long list to remember. The first way to be involved in God's global mission is go. Simple, right? Go. Go on mission. Now, it's true that not every Christian is called to long-term foreign field mission work. Probably not the majority are called to this. But here's what I want to challenge you with today. Don't assume that you're not called to that. In fact, assume that you are called and allow God to prove otherwise. Uh, many years ago, before I moved to the foreign mission field, I read an article titled A Missionary Call by a man named Robert Spear. He was involved in uh, recruiting missionaries uh, around the turn of the 20th century. Uh, and I want to read you a short quote from that article. Robert Spear writes, If men are to have special calls for anything, they ought to have special calls to go about their own business, to have a nice time all of their lives, to choose the soft places and make money and gratify their own ambitions. Is it not absurd to suggest that a special call is necessary to become a missionary, but no call is required to gratify your own personal ambition? There is a general obligation resting upon Christians to see that the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached to the world. You and I need no special call to apply that general call of God to our lives. We do need a special call to exempt us from its application to our lives. In other words, every one of us stands under a presumptive obligation to give his life to the world unless we have a special exemption. It's challenging, right? It's strong, it's powerful. And again, Spear's point is not that everyone is called to foreign missions, to go, as we said. His point is that we often have a double standard, right? We want some, some just amazing special call. We want an angel to come down on a cloud out of heaven with a trumpet and say, go to Zambia, wherever that is, right? Like, then I'll go and I'll be a missionary. But if I don't have that, well, then I'll just do whatever I want. Nope. Not how it's supposed to work. Uh, Jim Elliott, who some of you might be familiar with, was a missionary uh, in South America. He ended up being killed trying to reach an unreached uh, native tribe down there. 
Uh, Jim Elliott said this, our young people don't need a call, they need a kick in the pants. Why do you need to hear a voice when you already have a verse? Referring to Matthew 20 that we read. The idea that these men are challenging with is this, assume that you are called to give your life to preaching the gospel to the nations and required divine confirmation for anything else. One great way to test the waters, to see, okay, is this what God is actually calling me to, is to take a short-term mission trip, which, again, your church is involved in, and we've just heard about this morning, uh, how different people from Whitefields are going to these places, testing the waters to see what is God doing, what might he want to do among the nations through me. And even if God speaks to you through that experience, that long-term missions is not your calling, to go to the foreign field is not your calling, Uh, Nevertheless, that experience can develop your heart for God's global mission. And what it does show, if God confirms, no, you're not called to that, that means you are called to the other one, right? Remember, we said that there's two ways. Every Christian is called to God's global mission, and there are only two ways to do it. One is to go, and if you're not called to go, then you're called to the other way. What is the other way? Send, right? If he's not calling you to go, then he is calling you to send. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 10, how shall they preach unless they are sent? And the idea is this, that every Christian, again, is called to involvement in God's global mission to reach the nations, either as a goer or as a sender. If you're not called to go, you are called to send. There are no other options. Simply ignoring it is not an option trying to put it all off on someone else and say, well, that's just not really my thing. That's not an option. Unless ignoring Christ is an option for you, and I hope that's not an option for you. So what does it look like practically to be on the sending side of things, to be a sender in God's global mission? Um, If you're interested and want really a great detailed look at that, uh, there's an excellent book by a man named Neil Parolo. It's called Serving as Senders. And I would encourage you to find that and and check out what he says there. Um, But what I would like to do now is give you a brief update of some of what is going on in Ukraine, what God is doing through our ministry there. And then in light of that, give you a few practical ways to be involved on the sending side of things. Uh, And by the way, these are ways that uh, you could apply to any missionary or any mission happening uh, on the foreign field, whether that's us or somebody else. Um, so, I want to give you a missions update briefly. Um, again, we've, we've come here to Whitefields a number of times. We come, most times that we come back, we, we end up sharing here. Uh, the last time we were here was about two years ago. Um, as I mentioned, um, so our church, Calvary Chapel of Sidlovotsk, uh, we just celebrated our 14-year anniversary. This is a picture of the group that was gathered on that day. Um, my assistant pastor, Levi, who, no, we went back. Um, so, uh, Levi is also a missionary that is connected to Whitefields and that you guys help to support. So, uh, as Nick mentioned in the beginning, we're also involved in a building project. So we're also involved in a building project. It's been about three, almost four years now that we've kind of actively been pursuing this. Uh, your church has been involved from the beginning, so thank you guys for your generous support in that. So we've been blessed to see God's faithfulness just providing uh, we started this project literally with nothing. 
um, and, and he's just made it happen. So continue to pray for that and that he would just see it through. Um, other than the church itself, as I mentioned, I'm currently the coordinator for a ministry called City to City Ukraine. Uh, our vision at City to City Ukraine goes like this. City to City Ukraine exists to promote gospel renewal in the key cities of Ukraine through church planting. We provide training, coaching, and resources to leaders who desire to influence their cities through the power of the gospel for the common good. Um, now, I just want to share with you briefly kind of some of our values in City to City Ukraine. Uh, first and central is the gospel, right? We believe that the gospel uh, is the not just the push start for the Christian life, it's the power, the foundation for the Christian life from beginning to end. In city to city, we like to say that the gospel is not just for unbelievers, it's also for believers, all right? It's something that we need to hear again and again and again. Um, next uh, would be the value of the city. Um, the cities of the world have possibly, possibly been never more strategically important than they are now. Uh, some statistics say that every month, 10 million people are moving into the megacities of the world. That's a new Chicago every month. And the question is, are new churches being planted fast enough to keep up with that? The answer is probably not. Now, in uh, Ukraine, there are five key cities. You can see them up here. The big one in the middle, that's Kiev. Uh, the capital, and then the others would be Kharkov, Odessa, Dnipro, and Lviv. Uh, these cities represent a total of 10 million people. So a quarter of Ukraine's population, there's about 40 million people in Ukraine. As city-to-city city Ukraine, our vision, our dream, is to see 100 new gospel-centered churches planted in these key cities by 2030. Um, and we've already got currently 25 new church planters in our training program. So Lord willing, we're on the way to seeing that come to be. Um, briefly, our other training values, contextualization, as we mentioned today, just means uh, presenting the gospel in a way that's understandable, approachable to the modern urban context. Uh, next one would be holistic ministry, that the gospel is not just what we do on Sunday mornings, that it radically affects every area of our lives, including uh, our work, our jobs, how we work. Uh, as well as including our approach to those who are uh, suffering and in need in our society. And then lastly, uh, cooperation would be our last key value. We work with a number of different evangelical groups because the kingdom of God is bigger than any one denomination or non-denomination as the case may be. Uh, now, I want to give you just a couple ways that you guys can be involved on the sending side of things with what God is doing in Ukraine to actually, through that, be part of God's work in Ukraine. Even though you're on the sending side, through that activity, through that uh, support, you're still going. You're still part of God's global mission. So the first and most important way is to pray. Uh, Jesus said that without him, we can do nothing, right? Unless he's doing it, nothing will happen. Uh, so here's a few things that you can pray for. You can pray for revival in Svitlovotsk, uh, that God would continue to work in the hearts of those who don't know him and uh, just stir up and revive the hearts of those who do know him. Pray for new leaders in our church, that God would continue to raise up leaders. We've seen him do that. Uh, because we're a small town and because Ukraine's economy is uh, in a really bad place right now, we tend to see those leaders move on to other larger cities where they can get uh, better jobs and whatnot, but pray that God would just continue that process of raising up leaders. Um, pray for the, the goal of 100 new churches through city to city. For our church building, as I mentioned, uh, that again, if it's God's will, that we would be able to bring the building to a point where we could move in this year and start using it, stop paying rent. 
Um, and pray for peace in Ukraine. The war is still going on. Probably, probably about five years ago, many of you remember hearing about there's a war in Ukraine, Russia's attacking Ukraine. That war is still ongoing. It's kind of at a frozen conflict stage, but there is still shots being fired. Uh, there is still artillery being fired. Most days, somebody gets killed. So pray for God and his timing to bring peace to Ukraine. And then you could also pray for our family for health uh, and financial provision. Health tends to be an area of attack for us. Uh, next, we would ask you guys to prayerfully consider being involved in the work in Ukraine through financial support. Be a part of what God is doing there. Uh, and if you feel led to give, you can do so using the information on the screen. The easiest way uh, is just that first link at the top is just our online giving platform through our sending church in Indianapolis. Um, for our family, we're hoping to raise around another $700 a month as a long-term goal. So we're asking the Lord to raise up 20 families that would commit to $35 a month or 35 families that would commit to 20 a month. So however he wants to do that. Um, for the building as well, there's a separate fund, completely separate for the building. 100% of all donations go to, to where they're listed. Um, as you heard in the video, our goal is to raise about $15,000 more to bring the building to a point where we can move in and start using it. Um, if you don't do online stuff and you want to use a check, you can do that. The information for how to do that is there on the bottom of the screen. And then lastly, we would ask you guys just to connect with us. Um, the first link there is our quarterly email newsletter. So we send it out once every three months, just kind of some updates, what's going on, fresh prayer requests. Um, and then uh, the second link is our church's website. There is an English version on there, so if you go on and you see a bunch of Cyrillic letters, don't get afraid. Look for the word that says English and click it. Uh, and you can just kind of find out more about our church and about what God is, is doing there. Uh, and then lastly, all kinds of social media. We're busy destroying our souls on social, social media, so if you want to join us in that, we can destroy our souls together there. Um, so come follow us, like us, whatever it is. Um, Lastly, we do have these, which are prayer magnets. Some of you maybe have an older version of these if you've been here for a while. Uh, this is an updated version. My daughter is now taller than my wife, so come and get one. Um, so soon, soon she will be the shortest member of our family. Um, all the information that I just gave you there at the end, prayer requests, uh, how to be involved in giving, and how to connect with us through social media, other channels, that's all on this magnet. So if you didn't have time to write it all down, grab a magnet, it's all here. The only thing that is not here is the newsletter sign up. So if you want that, sign up, the first link up there, or come see us at the table in the back there, we can get you signed up. Um, these are magnetic, so you can slap them on your fridge, uh, you know, and when you're going for that gluten-free midnight donut that you probably don't need, uh, we'll be there smiling at you. No judgment, no judgment, all right? And as you're blessing the Lord for its gooey goodness, you can pray for the missionaries in Ukraine. All right, so thank you guys. Um, I want to pray for us, so let's stand, and I'll pray, and then I believe we'll have one more worship song. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, thank you that you are a God on mission. Lord, that you didn't remain indifferent to our lostness. Lord, to the fact that we were perishing, but you came, you rescued us, you gave us hope, you gave us life. Lord, we pray that you would create that same heart as an act of thanksgiving for your mission, Lord, that, that our hearts would burn for your mission for those who don't know you yet. Lord, would you stir us up? Would you cause us uh, 
in humility and in, in sincerity to ask you, Lord, how would you have me be involved in your global mission? Thank you, Lord, that though you don't need us for that, you rejoice to include us as your beloved children. Lord, help us to draw near to your heart, which is a heart of mission. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com.